You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for tonight. I thank you for every single student here. I thank you that you know them better than they know themselves, that you created them, that you love them, that you have a purpose and a plan for their life, and it begins with a relationship with you. And God, I pray tonight as we explore your scriptures and get to know you even more, as we see a side of you that honestly is kind of strange and might be even difficult to understand, I pray that we would have a better grasp of how deep and wide and passionate your love is for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, hey, you're catching us in the middle of a series called 66, where we are looking at the entire Bible. I've said this every single week. Wait, hold on, before I say this, you guys, did Gunny do an amazing job last Wednesday night? She was incredible. It was so good. It was so good. I love listening to it. It was awesome. I missed you guys terribly. I was praying for you guys. But I've said this every single week of this series, every single week of this series, and it's this. The Bible, the Bible is not one book, but it is one story. The Bible is actually 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year time period in multiple different genres on different continents, but it is all telling one story. The entire Bible from beginning to end points to Jesus. The whole Old Testament is leading up and pointing us to Jesus. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the historical accounts of this Jesus who came and started a revolution beginning with uprooting and and destroying sin within us and instead giving us his Holy Spirit. And then every other document after the Gospels is talking about what does it mean to live your life now that Jesus Christ has come into the world, now, now that he's truly saved each one of us from separation from him eternally, separated us from our sin and given us new life, what does it mean to follow him? Each week we've been looking at different sections of the Bible. I want to go to one of our slides that we've posted. Can we open up one of those real quick? For us guys, so to kind of see where we're at, let's go to the next one. I just want to go um, to uh, this section. Yeah, okay, so here are the different books of the Bible. We spent our first few weeks talking about the law, God creating the world and giving his people a guideline to live by, basically saying to his people, this is what righteousness, right relationship with me and others looks like. Then we jumped into the history We learned about the judges and the kings that led Israel, and and some of them did some great things, but many of them failed Israel, and ultimately Israel needed God to be their king and their leader. Then we looked at poetry. Pastor JT got up and he shared about these amazing poems in the book of Psalms, and some of them are talking about how they're really angry with God, and some of them are talking about how they're really thankful for God. I wonder if some of you, life is really hard and painful right now. Maybe you're going through something that you're just feeling like, man, does anybody get me? 
The book of Psalms is a great place to go when you're angry with God. It's a great place to go when you're happy with God. Then we talked about the major prophets. So last week, last week, Gunny talked about the prophet Jeremiah. And today, we're jumping into the minor prophets. Let's go to the next slide real quick. The minor prophets, there are, we can go to the next one, guys, to the right. There we go. The minor prophets, there are 12 of these in the Old Testament. Most of them are very short books written to Israel, written to the people of God. And today, the one that we are going to study here for a few minutes is like, it's a, this is an unbelievable book, okay? We're gonna see what it's about. We're gonna dive into it, but essentially it's this. Maybe this will get your attention. God asks one of his prophets, what's up, Andrew? Good to see you, man. Glad you're here. God, get this, Andrew. You'll like this. Um, I mean, I don't know why I said that. Don't take that wrong way. Here we go. Um, God, you'll see what I mean. I'm not, I'm, God asks, commands, one of his prophets to marry a prostitute, okay? Just think about that for a second. God, I know, I don't know why I said Andrew would like this. I didn't mean that, Andrew, at all. I don't know why I said that. I was just thinking out loud, okay? I love you, Andrew. Think about this for a second, though. Think about this for a second. God, hold on, pause, pause. How does this kind of blow up and expand your view of God here? Think about this for a minute. God commanded one of his prophets, one of his messengers, to marry a prostitute. Why would he do that? Here's what we're going to do. For the next few minutes, we're going to read a ton of this story together. I'm not going to really provide a lot of commentary because I want you to feel the story. I want you to hear the tension and the emotion in this story. I'm going to highlight about four things, but a lot of our time is going to be literally unpacking and looking at this story from the text that is written to us. How many of you have ever watched the show uh, The Bachelorette? Be honest. Just raise your hand. Be honest with you. Okay. Gunny, sinner. Sinner. Okay. How many of you have watched The Bachelorette? Pay. Are you serious? Ella. Ella. Have you ever watched The Bachelorette? You've never watched The Bachelorette? Oh, that's awesome. Sage, have you watched The Bachelorette? You're ki- okay, well, all right, I feel judged. So here we go. Um, I, I'm going to admit to you guys, I have totally watched The Bachelorette. Okay, I've watched it. I used to watch it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm watching it with Sarah to, like, hang out with her. I was watching it for me, right? Like, I was just like, this is crazy, right? It's so dramatic. There's so much tension. You're like, how is this going to turn out? Here's the thing, you guys. The more you read the Bible you're going to realize the bachelorette, those crazy, they've got nothing on the Bible. I mean, the crazy stuff that's written in here, like kids shouldn't even be allowed to read this stuff. Like this stuff we're gonna read you is crazy today. So your, your view of God might kind of get blown up here, okay? Your, your understanding of him, the box you have him in, might be stretched a little bit. Let's open up to Hosea chapter one. Find me in Hosea chapter one. This was written in the year 750 BC. Israel was not in a good place. They had been conquered by Assyria at this point. Point. Um, they were worshiping false gods. In fact, they were engaging in um, religious prostitution. They were uh, engaging in uh, worshiping of other gods. They were sacrificing kids. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible time in Israel's history. They were also getting increasingly wealthy, but it's because they were exploiting poor people. Israel was not in a good place. And then this is how the story goes. If you had a note-taking type in your notes, first fill in the blank is this. Our disobedience and unfaithfulness wounds God's heart. 
I want you to think about that for a minute. Our disobedience, when you and I disobey, when we are unfaithful to God, when we don't follow through, it actually wounds God's heart. Check out how the story begins. I'm going to identify who's speaking to who because it can be kind of confusing. So in this first passage, we are going to see God speaking to his prophet Hosea. This is what it says. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Johash, king of Israel, Hosea's wife and children. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, so God is about to speak to Hosea, and Hosea's all ears, man, he's just an eager prophet waiting and ready to be used by God. And God says, I got a word for you. And he goes, okay, Lord, I'm all ears. And then this is what God says. Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer. What a name, right? Gomer, that's awesome. So he marries Gomer. Oh, man, this this is so crazy, right? Okay, so God speaks to him, and he says, Hosea, here's what I want you to do. In the original Hebrew, which is what this story was originally written in, that was the language, it literally says, Hosea, go take yourself a wife, a prostitute. The first part of the message, he was obviously very excited about. God said, go get a wife. And he said, all right, woohoo!" And then he's like, but I want you to marry a prostitute. And then he says this, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Here's what God's about to do. He's about to say, Hosea, I've got a calling and a mission and something for you to do that is more difficult than anyone else. I want to use your life, I want to use what you are about to experience to send a message to all of Israel that their disobedience to me, their unfaithfulness to me, when I called them to worship me and to worship me only, and they have chosen to worship other gods, it feels as if they are cheating on me, as if they're with somebody else behind my back. My heart is wounded deeply. Guys, in the craziness of this story, don't miss the picture that we get of God's heart. Did you know that God has feelings? Did you know that God experiences anger? That God experiences jealousy and pain? When you and I sin, it's like a dagger in his heart. Because it separates us from him and he hates that. He wants to be close. He wants to be connected to us. But your sin and my sin, when we say, God, you're not important in my life. When we say, God, I'm going to do my own thing. God, I'm going to sleep with whoever I want to sleep with. God, I'm going to go party. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. His heart breaks deeply. Because he loves us. And what I'm so inspired by is in these first few words of Hosea's story, he says, okay, God, if you want to use my life to send that message, this is weird, this is strange, this doesn't make any sense, 
but I'll be obedient. Maybe an application for us would be this. Are you open to God using your life in a way that might stretch you and challenge you? Are you open to God saying, hey, I know you always hang out with those friends at lunch, but I actually want you to go talk to that person. Are you open to God calling you to something that wouldn't make any sense, that is outside of your comfort zone? And would you be willing to say, okay, God, if that's what you have for me, if that's who you want me to talk to, if that's who you want me to share Jesus with, if you want me to give that up, if you want me to try that, then God, I'll do it. I'll be obedient to you. The story continues, point number two, when your sin pulls you away from God, his love will draw you back. When your sin pulls you away from God, he will draw you back. So all of a sudden, God says, Hosea, I want you to go marry this woman, Gomer. He marries her, and then Hosea speaks to Gomer, and this is what he says. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife. Okay, so something has happened here. There's been a short commercial break, and all of a sudden, Gomer and Jose are not doing well anymore. There were a few children brought from their relationship, but in a second, as we're going to see, Hosea even begins to question, are those even my kids? So who knows how long this marriage between Gomer and Hosea was marked by faithfulness, but obviously not for long because at this point, is pissed. He's angry. He's fed up because, Jose, or because Gomer has chosen to go back to her life of prostitution. I want you to hear the words of a husband whose heart has been broken. For she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove, I mean, the, 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 the vocabulary here is like, this is intense. I mean, this is the Bible. Listen to this. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. And then she responds. So all of a sudden, Hosea comes on real hot, right? He's like, I caught you cheating on me. You're no longer mine. I'm not your husband. You're not my wife. You have wounded me deeply. And then listen, listen to what she responds with. She says, well, then I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Essentially, she says, fine, Hosea, I'll go with these other guys because they're richer than you. I'll go with these other guys because they're better looking than you. And what we're seeing right here, I mean, this is like Jerry Springer right now. You know what I mean? I mean, these two are going at it. This is such an unhealthy relationship. Hosea's saying, I'm done with you. And Gomer's saying, great. You see, Hosea is experiencing what sin does. Sin pulls us away from God. Hosea pulls, or God, sin pulls us away from a close relationship with God. But then God intervenes. 
And God speaks to Hosea in Hosea chapter three. The Lord said to me, the Lord said to Hosea, go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is, in, and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. That's a weird analogy there. What is he talking about? Those sacred raisin cakes. We all love those, right? You know what he's talking about? Here's what's interesting. In this day, in this day, one of the major components of worshiping these false gods was these raisin cakes that they would eat in the temple of those pagan gods. So what God's saying here is he's saying, even though you love every part of your rebellion from me, even though you love every single part of it, you love the way it tastes, you love the way it feels, even though you want nothing to do with me, God says, I can't help but want to draw you close. I can't help but want to be in a relationship with you. And he says, Hosea, we are going to use your life to communicate to Israel how passionate I am towards them. And so he says, Hosea, I know you're hurt. I know you're wounded. I know your girl's been cheating on you. But I'm calling you, I'm calling you to go love her as I love the people of Israel. The story continues. Point number three is this. When God convicts you, as we're going to see, when God convicts, convicts you, it's because he desires to connect with you. Write that down in your notes there. It's in the fill in the blanks. When God convicts you, it's because he desires to connect with you. So all of a sudden, God begins to speak to Israel. As Israel is watching Hosea and Gomer's relationship unfold, God speaks to Israel, and this is what he says. He says, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, there is no love, there is no acknowledgement of God in this land. There is only cursing and lying and murder and stealing and adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. God's speaking honestly to his people. And HSM, let me say something to you. What is defining this community? Is this community defined by a group of people who are faithful and sold out for God? Is this community defined by a group of people who say we will love Jesus above everything else which will cause us to love everyone including our enemies? Is this a community that says even when it's uncomfortable and challenging and difficult, we will love our neighbors, we will love the people that are in our life groups, we will love and serve each other? Or are we like Israel? Are we like Israel who we are a group of people where there's no faithfulness to God? In fact, we, we kind of only love God if it's super convenient for us. If it's easy, if it doesn't cost us anything, if it feels good? Are we a group of people that have no acknowledgement of him in our lives? 
Israel speaks back to Hosea as they're hearing this. They say, come let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. They're saying his words and, and the realization of our sin, the fact that God has handed us over to our sin, it has ultimately resulted in our lives being messed up and broken. And this is what sin will do. That if you give your life to sin, if you give your life to your own desires, if you give your life to being apathetic, if you let your feelings drive your life, it will always lead you into a place of brokenness. But God desires to heal. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. There are hints here of resurrection. There are hints here of Jesus. There's the ideas here that on the third day, there's something extra special, something incredible, something miraculous would happen, as did for Jesus, who died on the cross for your sin and my sin. And everybody said, this is the end of the story. And then three days later, his resurrection has begun the restoration of all things. They say in verse 3, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. And then God begins to speak about Israel. He hears these words and then listen to what he says. He says, when Israel was a child, this is how God feels about you guys. God looks at you and he sees you as his kids. He sees you as the loved ones that he's created. Listen to the poetry here. Listen to the description of how God feels about you. When Israel was a child, maybe just put your name in there. When Solomon was a child, when Daniel was a child, when Andrew was a child, when Abby was a child, when Brookie was a child, when Hazel was a child, when Skylar, who I just met, was a child, when Sage was a child, I loved him. I loved her. And out of Egypt, I called them my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught a frame to walk. That's a part of Israel. Taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. Jump down to verse 8. How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate a frame again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will, not, I will not come against their cities. God has all the reason in the world to look at you and I and to say, you have been unfaithful. You have chosen other gods. You have chosen to make your iPhone. You have chosen to make your addiction. You have chosen to make your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You have chosen to make your apathy. You have chosen to make your drug. You have chosen to make school. You have chosen to make whatever the God of your life. And so we are done. God could say that. But since the beginning of Scripture... We see over and over and over again that God is grace. 
that God initiates love. That when he looked at Israel, he said what he says to you and I. He says, I cannot carry out my fierce anger. I can't do it with these people because I adore them, because I love them. Guys, let's personalize this for a second. Your sin, every single time, breaks God's heart. But he will convict you of your sin. So when you begin to feel guilty, or when you begin to feel ashamed, or when you begin to deep inside go, you know what, that was wrong what I did. The Holy Spirit is doing that in you so that he might connect with you. So that conviction that maybe even some of you are feeling right now as you're thinking about what you've been up to recently, that conviction that inside of you is telling you, you know what, I'm not right with God. That is the Holy Spirit, but he's putting that there, not so that you would feel guilty forever, but so that you would connect with him, so that you would be drawn back to him. And friends, let me remind you of this, because sometimes there's some of us who, when we confess our sin before God, when we say, God, forgive me, and we receive his forgiveness, we continue to feel guilt for the sins that we've committed. You ever been there before? Where those sins that are in the past that you've received forgiveness for, you just kind of keep replaying them in your head? At that point, that's not God anymore. At that point, that's Satan. And students, I want to teach you something that I'm trying to practice in my own life. That every time Satan reminds you of sin that you've already confessed, you remind him that Jesus already died for it. Every time Satan brings up in your past sin, brokenness, decisions you've made, stuff that you've already been forgiven for, every time Satan wants to remind you of that, you remind him that Jesus died for that sin and it has been covered. I know some of you in this room that you're so close with God. You love Jesus. But the decisions and the things that are in your past, man, they just continue to haunt you every night. And can I, can I just speak to you for a minute? That is exactly what Satan would want to do. He would want to continue to bring up that past sin, that stuff, and make you feel guilty and guilty and guilty. Because as long as you feel guilty, you won't understand his grace. As long as you remain in guilt, you won't experience freedom. And so something I say often is when I feel like Satan is bringing back those past sins after I've confessed them to the Lord, I'll say, you know what, Satan? You're right, I sinned. Like, you're right. Good job, you've got a great memory. You brought that one back. But Jesus Christ died for that sin, and that means that sin is dead also. Jesus died for that sin, so that means that sin is dead also. You guys, there's incredible freedom in that. Don't remember, the, don't forget that the enemy is coming after you. That he wants nothing but you to feel guilty over and over again. Our last point for tonight is this. Walking with God, number four, walking with God is a daily decision to trust that he is greater than everything else. It's a daily decision to trust that God is greater than everything else. God speaks to Israel in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O oh death, are your plagues? Where, O oh grave, is your destruction? What's incredible is 
Almost a thousand years later, the Apostle Paul picks up this idea in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how in this Old Testament passage, written 750 years before Jesus ever stepped on the scene, there is an outcry for God to do something about sin and death. A a screaming out, God, put an end to this. And 750 years later, Paul would say, thanks be to God, because he gives us the victory. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And his name is Jesus Christ. Well, as the story wraps up in Hosea chapter 14, Hosea speaks to Israel and he says, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Some of you are believing that your sins are what's giving you life. Your sins are the joy of your life. That the things you're doing in secret, the the parties you're going to, the people you're sleeping with, the apathy you're holding on to, the drugs that you're dealing, you're selling, that you're taking, whatever it may be, that that is what life is all about. And friends, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. The truth is this. Your sin is your downfall. It's not your uprising. That sin is your downfall downfall. Verse 4 of Hosea chapter 14, God says, I will heal your waywardness and I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. This is God's heart. And then lastly, the last verse in this entire book I want to wrap up with and I want to leave the question that's posed in this text to you. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Friends, you have to make a daily decision to trust that he, that God, is greater than everything else. Is he? Is he in your life? As you break in your groups, you can discuss that and the other passages that you will read. If tonight you don't have a life group, we have one for you. After I pray, you can come up front here and I will get you plugged into a group tonight. We are so glad you're here. Let me pray and then we'll break into groups. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the book of Hosea that you would choose this man who responded in obedience to you. That you would choose to use his life in such a strange and obscure way. To get a message out to your people that when we sin, that when we rebel from you, that when we don't choose you, that it hurts you in the same way that it would hurt us if a husband or wife were to leave us. God, I'm thankful that our sin bothers you because it communicates how much you love us. In fact, God, if If my sin didn't bother you, I wouldn't believe that you loved me. 
because my sin is always my downfall. And you desire for me to live free. God, I pray that as we go into our groups tonight, that we would discuss these things and all that you would have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.